Richard Anderson, Myron McCormick, and Dick Ferran, with special guest star Bruce Gordon, and narrated by Walter Winchell. Oh, what a great series, ladies and gentlemen, as I take the baton from the thoroughbred Seabiscuit here at WABC, Sid Rosenberg, and now it's time for the Clydesdale, Curtis Lewa, WABC always broadcasting Curtis and I'm pissed off because normally when Brian Kilmeade is away, I do all two hours of his show, 10 to 12. And then uh, I do the Rip and Read, 12 to 1. It's an Ole Miss, the second highest rated show uh, on the lineup, second only to Sid Rosenberg. So this is a neck and neck race. And I am really angry that John Katzmatidis acted like King Solomon and decided, well, I'm going to split the two hours while Kilmeade is away. Give one out to Sid, one out to me. So guess what? Guess what, Justin Ellick? And you can wrap me out. Because his first segment is dedicated to what should take place to Sid Rosenberg's very dear friend, Frank Carone, who might as well be the Frank Nitty of a City for Sale under the Eric Adams administration. Oh, yeah, Sid knows Frank. He knows his brothers. He hangs out with them. He knows all about them. And it's a name that many of you are not aware of because this guy operates in the shadows. First of all, there was a very, very important book that was written years and years ago by Jack Newfield and Wayne Barrett, both of whom I knew. Many of them called them muckrakers. They were over at the old Village Voice. The old Village Voice, boy, they... They used to do deep dives. Politicians hated them. When these two guys would come along, uh, immediately the politicians would dive for cover because they were so good at what they did, Jack Newfield and Wayne Barrett. And they wrote a book. I would recommend it to all of you because it's happening again. We've come full circle. It was City for Sale, Ed Koch, and the Betrayal of New York. And he did. In his last term of office, his third term, he basically gave the city away. There's so many instances in which if you stroked Ed Koch, he was like a peacock. In many ways, he was just like Sid Rosenberg. Say nice things about Sid and you're his friend. Ignore Sid or say bad things about uh, Sid and he'll never talk about you in his life. And if he does talk about you, it's in the negative. And so the friends of Ed Koch knew that. Stroke Ed Koch, the mayor. And you can get all kinds of contracts, many of which Ed Koch was oblivious to because they were his friends. They were his friends. And I'll never forget that fateful day when Ed Koch was visiting his very dear friend, Donald Manis, who was committing suicide because Rudy Giuliani, then the U.S. attorney for the Southern District, was coming at him with all the might of the Department of Justice, and rightfully so. 
And then a day later, realizing realizing the walls were closing in, Ed Koch, who visited then uh, Manis in his bedroom and called him a crook the very next day because he wanted to extricate them. There is no loyalty amongst politicians. There is no loyalty amongst politicians. That's why the beginning of the program always says, Curtis Lee was a politician who says, trust no politicians. They're your friend today. They'll put a bullet in your head tomorrow like members of organized crime who grew up with you, as I did with many of them in Canarsie. You all know that story. The Gemini Lounge. Right, the Tester brothers, Anthony Centaur. By the way, he's getting out in May. Uh, I may have to go into the witness protection program. Not. Come get me, Anthony. Anyway, the point being is they could sit down with you, have a meal with you, reminisce with you, old times sake. Oh, it's so great. We're going ahead. Take you for a ride. Put two bullets in the back of your head and then bury you out there in the middle of nowhere. That's what politicians do. Do you understand that? There is no loyalty amongst politicians. Friend today, foe tomorrow. And that was Ed Koch. I know many of you loved Ed Koch. Hey, he was witty. He was entertaining. Towards the end of uh, his life when he was broadcasting at WABC, he was a friend of mine. Yes. And in fact, when I was shot five times with hollow point bullets on June 19th in 1992 on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr., Friends, I might add, of Frank Morano, the Mama Luke, and the Gambino crime family. I was in the ICU in uh, Bellevue, holding on for life. And when I looked up on my left-hand side, when I was coming out, it was cold, it was freezing. I had tubes in every orifice of my body to keep me alive because I would have, I would have died just from the poisons, the toxic poisons, hollow point bullets. It shreds you. And the first person I looked up at was Ed Koch, my nemesis. When he was mayor, he was having me locked up. And when I looked up and I saw it was Ed Koch, the first person I looked up at. I thought I had died and gone straight to hell without an asbestos suit. And he smiled. And that's when a friendship began because he was no longer mayor. And then I looked over, there was Cardinal O'Connor. He had on the... Extremunction vestments for you old-timers like me, that is uh, the death rite uh, vestments that they would uh, say your final prayers before you're six feet under in a pine box. It was that close. It was that close. But in his final term of office, his third term, that's why you cannot, you cannot have politicians too long in office. There has to be term limits because... They get so full of themselves, they either put their beak in the trough and steal from the general public, or they think that they are untouchable, as Ed Koch did. And boy, he had a rude awakening. He wanted a fourth term. David Dinkins beat him, and then eventually beat Michael Mbaricic, Rudy Giuliani the first time, barely, and then lost, thank God, the second time. And Rudy went on to give this city a badly needed colony. But Rudy was all over the Katcha administration, indicting members of the Katcha administration, trying them. And then who was in the victory room at the Plaza Hotel? I was lucky to be there with Rudy and everyone. Ed Koch, who was supporting Rudy at that time with his uh, campaign manager, David Garth, who had been the campaign manager for Ed Koch. It, It goes full circle. But now we're talking about a man that I've known going up in Canarsie, all roads lead to Canarsie, to the most corrupt of the many corrupt Democratic clubs in America. 
It's the Thomas Jefferson Club in 92nd Street and Conklin Avenue. At one time, the head of the club was Meet Esposito, a crook who would constantly drop the F-bomb. When Ed Koch was running against Mario Facha Bruta Como, to his credit, Mario went to seek Meet Esposito's endorsement, which would have probably guaranteed victory in a runoff election for the mayoralty. But Meet Esposito wanted his piece of the pie in New York. You had to make a deal with him. And Mario, to his credit, his shining moment, said no to Meet Esposito. Probably lost the election right there. Ed Koch followed, and he made a deal. And he became the mayor of the city of New York. Eventually, Mario Fachabrota Como was to beat Ed Koch in a Democratic primary running for governor. You know the rest of that story. But this club has been an infamous club, a corrupt club, with influence in City Hall for many, many decades. And now they have a stranglehold on the Eric Adams administration through this guy named Frank Caron. Frank Caron uh, raised money for Eric Adams for his first run. They claim that this woman, Brianna Suggs, 25-year-old African-American, was the treasurer. The FBI raided her house, which also acted as her office, and seized all her records. They say she raised 18 mil. Come on. Everybody knows Brianna Suggs was uh, carrying the booster bag to the fundraisers for Eric Adams when he was running against me. She'd collect the checks. She'd take them back, put them on a spreadsheet, go to the bank the next day. And if some of them bounced, she was pleasing, pleasant, and polite on the phone and would immediately say, oh, you probably were unaware that uh, your account was short of funds. I'd be more than happy to come over now and pick up a new check. This is between me and you. Frank Caron was right out of Goodfellas. He would have said, you bounce a freaking check to me? You embarrass me in front of Eric Adams? You don't ever do that again, or you'll never see the light of day. You'll never get any business from City Hall. Quote, either get on the SS Eric Adams now, or the ship leaves the port. This is the stuff you hear from Curtis Lee here. I let you hear it all. You decipher it for yourself. He also let Eric Adams stay in his law offices at Metro Tech. When all the reporters knew, as I knew, as I took you there to Fort Lee, apartment 22H, and you knew he was living there with his beard, Tracy. Yeah, and then he pretended he wasn't, so he would hang out at Metro Tech in the office. It was all quite nefarious, but he knew that his complexion was his protection because the media was not going to do the deep dive. It was not going to do the deep dive. So now, all of a sudden, Eric Adams is the subject of a federal investigation for campaign fundraising corruption. There is no separation of Frank Caron from this. He was the guy who would pick up the phone. He'd put the arm on you. He's the one who had influence with Eric every step of the way. In the first year of the Eric Adams administration, Frank Caron was his chief of staff. You didn't get past him. He was the gatekeeper. He then left and went into private practice. He set up a lobbying group that is called Oak Tree Solutions. The law is you can't lobby the city for a year. This is a ridiculous law. And a year later, you come back. You were his former chief of staff. And now you are raising funds for the Eric Adams Legal Defense Fund. He has said, yeah, I'm raising money. And he's raising money for the reelection effort. Oofah. 
for Eric Adams. It's public. It's bold. It's brazen. They're not hiding behind anything. It's Frank Carone. And you don't think that if Frank Carone goes to the mayor, who he's giving, he puts a can of corn in his ear, cauliflower ear, you're going to pay. You're going to pay his lobbying firm, Oak Tree Solutions, because you know when you talk to Frank Carone, you're talking to Eric Adams. They're like Siamese twins. You look at a picture of, uh, of Frank Carone. Hey, everybody out there, go ahead. Look up Frank Carone. He looks like a cast character out of Goodfellas. You know what it reminds me? Because really what's needed here, the Treasury agents. Remember, when we play the opening scene of The Untouchables with uh, Elliot Ness and all of his associates, that's the Treasury squad. That's, they, were, they got Capone with number two pensions because he didn't pay his taxes. They were able in Cicero, the nearby suburb, to raise raid Goosey, Greasy Gusick's uh, accounting firm. Greasy Thumbs Gusick, they call him, Polish guy, who would eat a Polish sausage every day and he would leave grease marks of his fingers on the two sets of books. That's how they knew he was keeping two sets of books, one for Capone and one for the government. And that's how they busted Capone, not for the drive-by shootings, not for the extortion, the racketeering, not for all the crimes he committed, but for not paying his taxes because of Greasy Thumb Gusick and the work of the Treasury Department. But that's what's needed now. In fact, if you want to know how Frank Carone operates, remember, everything is either TV or movies. Remember the other great uh, Untouchables movie starring starring De Niro, Robert De Niro as, uh, as Al Capone? This is how Frank Carone operates in a boardroom. It's either Frank Carone's way or the highway. A man, a man stands alone at a place. This is the time for what? For individual achievement, there he stands alone. But in the field, what? Part of a team. Looks, throws, catches, hustles, part of one big team. Bats himself the live long day. Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and so on. (laughs) This team don't field, what is he? You follow me? No one. Sunny day, stands are full of fans. What does he have to say? I'm going out there for myself. <laughs> but I get nowhere unless the team wins. Team. Jesus Christ. That's the Kadarchi style. That's the Frank Carone style. Metaphorically, of course, he doesn't physically attack you. But notice how often, Justin Alec, when you've been cutting up the tapes that Nancy sends to you, as we will do in the rip and read from his press conference yesterday, what does Eric Adams always say? It's the team, right? It's the team. It's our team here at City Hall. And the leader of the team is Frank Carone. Nobody else is going to tell you that story. Now, I know it's going to piss off Sid Rosenberg. Guess what? Wrong way, Lou Ruffino, Justin Ellick. This is war. I should have had the two hours. So now I don't have the two hours. O'Brien killed me. Let me tell you something. I'm going after all of the friends of Sid Rosenberg 
who are operating on the dark side. You tell him, Justin Ellick. He's on his speed ferry to the Irish Riviera as we speak. Sliwa is dropping verbal napalm on all your nefarious friends. That's what I do on the most powerful radio station in the nation by day, WABC. And that's what I do at night on the overnights where I'm king on the weekends. The best side of the other side of midnight. Six hours from 12 midnight to the break of dawn. We are the largest and biggest radio station on the globe at night. And my job is to do the deep dig. The city is for sale a second time. It was under Ed Koch. And I'm telling you, over my dead body is Eric Adams. Going to be elected mayor a second time. If anything, the U.S. attorney may end up putting him in chains and shackles and send him to the big house. And on the daisy chain perp walk right behind him should be Frank, Frank Nitty Cologne. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. that we're in with this homeless situation, you really have to go to my social networking platforms, the Curtis Lee Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, and the TikTok. Yes, TikTok. I've got 165,000 followers because I don't just put up corny content. I'm down in the bowels of the city and the subways every morning. And when I come to do the Sid Rosenberg Show, 7.05, Monday through Fridays, I'm down on the E-Train, which is the moving homeless hotel of the poor, the impoverished, the disheveled, the homeless, and the emotionally disturbed. And you are going to see different pictures of everything that I have captured on my ride here to WABC in the morning, and there's nothing more to say other than it is a shanda. It is a disgraziata. Men and women have to wake up early. They begin trekking to work at 5. That's really when rush hour starts. And at times, they have nowhere to sit. And, you know, the subway cars, they need to be fumigated out. Oh, my God. 
the stench. But then, uh, I got to tell you, you got to feel for these folks. Because you know not far away at Grand Central Station, if they were to walk upstairs, there's the Roosevelt Hotel, a thousand rooms that have been converted for the use of migrants, illegals, whatever you want to call them. We know nothing about them. They are a threat to us in the 12 o'clock rip and read hour. I am going to tell you how the terrorists are coming into our area, and they are already amongst us, probably staying in the Roosevelt Hotel. I'm going to give you an update. And also I asked the question, where are the Ukrainians? Legitimate wartime refugees, right? Who could make an argument about the Ukrainians wanting to flee the war-ravaged section of eastern Ukraine? We see the Russians are leveling cities. These people have to run for their lives. They go to Poland. They go to Hungary. Some stay there, but others want to come to the United States. At first, they were coming across the border. I remember the scenes. I have visited half the migrant shelters in New York City. I am hard-pressed to find a Ukrainian because the rules have changed for them. We'll do a deep dive on that tomorrow when my wife Nancy joins me as she does Twice a week here on the Rip and Read at WABC. Oh, we're going to do a deep dive on that. But let's let's look at the plight of our homeless, our emotionally disturbed, those who were birthed here, those who were born and raised here amongst us, those for any number of reasons who have fallen to the wayside, some of them veterans, some of them who served in peacetime and wartime, and we treat them as if they were flotsam and jetsam. We hear almost every other day Eric Adams say, oh, I have to provide shelter for the migrants. I have to provide shelter for the migrants because of this court consent decree that was signed by who? Ed Koch. Way back when there was the case of Billy Boggs. Remember the famous case of Billy Boggs, a woman, African-American from New Jersey, emotionally disturbed, who sat on a grating near Gracie Mansion outside a diner that Ed Koch would pass on a regular basis. He ignored her. But one day, she burned a $5 bill, and that caught Ed Koch's attention, as it would any politician, because they're always out to raise money, right? He said, anybody that would burn money has to be crazy. He sent her for a psychiatric observation at Bellevue. They detained her. Then Norman Siegel of the New York Civil Liberties Union got involved, and it was a tussle back and forth, what to do. Coalition for the Homeless Legal Aid pressured the city in court to provide more shelter. At the time, there were very few shelters. And Ed Koch, instead of standing up and saying, no, no, we can't give the right to shelter to everybody. Everybody would show up here and want to cop a squad here. There's no other city in America that has the right to shelter. Nowhere. But Ed Koch, instead of fighting for the future... Took the shortcut out like so many politicians. You know, they don't, they don't, they say that's a problem for the children and children's children. And he signed this consent court decree that haunts us to this day. Eric Adams could battle it in court. He has chosen to have mediation. Come on, stand up, grow a pair, Eric. As long as this right to shelter stays in place, 
Anybody from anywhere, anytime, any place can show up in New York City and claim they don't have a place to stay, and we the sucker taxpayers have to pay for it. They do that in Newark all the time. Who the hell would want to stay in a shelter run by Raj Baraka, the mayor of Newark, who now wants to become the governor? He's destroyed Newark. He wants to destroy New Jersey. You'd have to be out of your mind, even in Essex County, to give him any kind of votes. But I have run into so many guys from Newark who have come over here. The moment they take the PATH train, New Jersey transit, bus or train, and they stop at Penn Station or the Port Authority, they go up to any city agency, cops, social worker, and they declare themselves to be indigent with nowhere to stay. And we, according to this consent decree signed by Ed Koch, must provide them housing. You go into the normal shelter system in New York City, you'd be surprised how many guys are from Newark. I say, yo, man, didn't I see you? Springfield Ave, South Orange Ave. Yeah, yeah, I remember. They had the guardian angels there. I said, how come you're here? Say, Curtis, they don't give us nothing in Newark, man. You do not want to be in the shelter system in Newark. And he's absolutely right. But now I come to you as Nostradamus and Paul Revere, as I oftentimes have done, utilizing the most powerful microphone of any radio station by day across the nation, WABC, and the most powerful radio station overnight, reaching 172 uh, countries. And expanding our radius every day. How many of you listening right now live in Westchester? And you say, oh, okay, they got problems. I know in Mount Vernon, they got problems in Yonkers. I know, look, look, I know. Wait wait a second. Wait a second. You know where the homeless are now? If you haven't already seen them at the White Plains Metro North Station, maybe you pull window shades on your eyes. You don't want to see them. But any of you commuters who are there early, catching one of the trains that leave between 6 or 6.30, haven't you noticed that once decently safe and nice Metro North Station in White Plains all of a sudden has homeless people inside of the actual train station? And why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just come up from Grand Central? It's much better in Westchester. They actually have bathrooms that are clean and usable. They're all locked here in the city. And they're also hanging out in the neighborhood supermarket parking lots, shilling for Shimoli, sometimes aggressively. Look, wake up, Westchester. Manaranac, where Kevin Droish is from. White Plains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wake up. They're already in New Rochelle, and they're going to expand their radius and probably soon find their way up to Putnam and Dutchess County. I have to be the bearer of bad news because, let's face it, if you were homeless, would you want to be shoved into a homeless shelter in New York City that is overwhelmed, or would you just take a quick ride? They're not going to pay their fare anyway. They just get on, and they hear about it through the grapevine or the homeless grapevine, and they say, New Rochelle. They got facilities. The people are generous there. They'll give you money. Why wouldn't you walk right out there at New Rochelle, right? You got the plaza. You got the shopping. You got the little boutiques. You got the little uh, restaurants. They're coming. And you know, Latimer, who's running against, uh, what is that, Reginald Bowman or whatever the hell his name is, uh, a member of the squad, he ain't paying attention to this. 
But you know who's looking out for everybody in Westchester, whether you're a friend or a foe, but I know we've got many listeners in that really heavy blue area of Westchester. Yours truly, Curtis Lee, who's on point for all of you. of 77 WABC and Curtis Sliwa. That's the opening, uh, one of the many great scenes, and an officer and a gentleman. And it's boot camp. And the reason I'm playing uh, you that scene that should be memorable to all of you and an indelible imprint on your minds is it was such a great movie. Is that I have been drafted by John and Margot Katsimatinas, our owners and operators, and the president of Red Apple Media, our parent company, to run the Curtis Lewa Boot Camp for Talk Radio Show hosts. I know ever since um, George Soros decided that he could affect an election by actually buying up radio stations because the analytics on the far left, socialist, progressive, democratic side have indicated that people listen to news radio, news talk radio, talk radio will more likely vote because they're already connected into the process. What is the likelihood of somebody listening to FM radio, FM standing for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and, of course, the Mama Luke Frank Morano? What is the likelihood that if they're vegging out, listening to music all day, that they're going to scrape the barnacles off their backside, get their rearing gear, and go and vote? George Soros, last year created a Latino network and bought up 18 stations uh, in the Florida area. Cuban conservative stations that are now no longer conservative. And he just recently purchased 122 stations, 50 cents on a dollar because so many are going bankrupt, which include All News WINS, All News WCBSAM 880 here. And they're going to alter the way they do the news to put their slant on it. The only person out there doing battle with him right now is our own billionaire, John Katsimatidis, who has been involved in a series of, I'm not at liberty to say, hush, hush, mush, mush negotiations to counter George Soros on the far left. And I will keep you updated. But that's going to require us developing an entire team of talk radio show hosts and hostesses who are ready to get right into it. And so because I have more experience here than anyone else, 35 years uh, experience, most at WABC, 
which uh, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. I have that role and responsibility. With Andrew Giuliani, who uh, at first would only talk about his father and Trump, it was a problem. So he is enrolled in the Curtis Lewa boot camp of talk radio show host. Anthony Weiner, who uh, has come into his own, I had to mentor for the first year. And now he's able to take everyone on. He's on with John Katsimatidis. He's on with Roger Stone, left versus right. But it took some time. It always takes time. And then, of course, there is Nancy Sliwa, who joins me for the Rip and Read Tuesdays and Thursdays to do the deep dive. And Sunday nights from 9 to 10. I, I, unexpectedly, a sense of humor, a good wit, good sarcasm. She's got what it takes but it requires development. But the best graduate of the Curtis Lee Talk Radio Boot Camp, bar none, is Dominic Carter. I have told you that at the old WABC, I had a walk-in on him. He was broadcasting at that time TV by day and radio at other times at the old WABC. And people would call up. And Dominic Carter would say, well, you know, I really shouldn't say. I really shouldn't say. And I said to myself, he sounds like somebody either running for politics or not wanting to lose his TV news gig. You know, where you're not supposed to have an opinion. You're not supposed to offend anybody. Talk radio, you let it fly. You want to run for office? Stay the hell out of talk radio. You speak with a seven-second soundbite. Our listeners can pick that up in a heartbeat. You want to be on TV Stay on TV. Be a pretty boy. Let them spend an hour, you know, primping you up, dolling you up if you're a woman, and you read a teleprompter. You have no freedom to improv. This is the most intimate form of communication that has ever been created. I say by Marconi the Italian. Some say Tesla the Serbian. So I walk in on Dominic Carter. I've told this story before, but for many of you, you probably never heard it during the Brian Kilmeade show. And I said, Dominic, you got to knock this off. You either want to be a talk radio show host and give your opinion or get the hell out of here. You're wasting your time. You sound like a TV guy trying to do radio. And most of them suck. So, Dominic, we had a come to Jesus meeting. And ever since then, he's been climbing the ladder. And I got to refer, you must listen to Dominic Carter. He's on. 12 midnight to 1, right before the Mama Luke Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, right after Rita Cosby. Sundays, you get a bonus hour, 11 to 1. This guy is on fire. I have described him because I've been listening to radio talk radio since I was about 14 years old. I was not popular to be listening to talk radio. I was thought back then you're an old fogey if you listen to talk radio. Hey, what, what, your grandpa, your grandma? So I'd have to hide that with my little Sony radio. The king of talk radio, Bob Grant, the best that ever existed, my mentor. He gave me his start. And I recognize if you're going to be good in this, you got to entertain first and foremost. you got to inform. But you got to let it. you you got to talk the way people talk. Not the way politicians talk or TV hosts talk, especially in the news division. You got to let it fly. Here are some recent hors d'oeuvres of the Dominic Carter show. He's come into his own. I have uh, anointed him 
the black Bob Granite talk radio. This guy is soaring. Just listen to how he's talking about the migrants and the big video that you've been watching that's gone viral about how the migrants from Venezuela attacked the cops on Randall's Island in a tent. You've all seen that. Listen to Dominic just riffing on it. Vanilla ice, 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 baby. I love the sound of that. Ice, ice, baby. Send ice up to the shelter at Randall's Island. If it was up to me, shut the entire thing down. You're homeless, effective tomorrow. All of you, since you're so anti-police and you've got the answers and you're freeloading, freeloading on the taxpayers of the United States of America. Ice, ice, baby. They'll take care of the problem. You hear that? You hear that? That's great talk radio. He's talking from the heart. He's talking from the gut. He's not processing it. Who am I going to offend? What am I going to call him? He said, hey, deport them. They attacked the cops. Did you see that video in Randall's Island? Did our mayor defend the cops? No, 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 no. You know, it's the federal government's problem. No, it's their problem. There are guests. We're paying for them. And they start whooping on the cops who were there to actually remove a guy who was inside the tent who wasn't supposed to be there. He wasn't even an illegal alien. He was snacking on one of the females because the arrow security sucks and they won't let the cops go in there unless there's a 911 call. Here's another slice of a guy you got to listen to, Dominic Carter. Again, I can't say it enough. 12 to 1. In the morning before Frank Morano, but a special two-hour bonus Sunday nights after the Animal Welfare Show featuring Nancy and yours truly, 11 to 1, and he's on fire. There are some sick puppies in the world. And why do they call me? Why call Greg Kelly? Why do they call me? Call Brian Kilme. Call Curtis Lee. Well, Curtis will entertain you all day long. That's true. Frank might entertain you. Why do you call me? Take your medication. Don't call me. Take your medication. That is so good. (laughs) He's the black Bob Grant. He's enraged. He's laughing. He's entertaining. He's friendly. He's knowledgeable. That's the way talk radio should be. And I hope to be able to enroll so many others. And the Curtis Lee Talk Radio Boot Camp, because I know this Red Apple Radio Network is going to grow massively to take on the threat of George Soros, who now wants to control the radio industry and messaging. Hey, George Soros, Katz Matitis is coming at you. WABC, the number one station in the nation by day, coast to coast, number one in the world at night. We ain't, we ain't going to allow that over our collective dead bodies. We're building our army. We're building our host and hostesses because you can't give good talk radio. All you can give is propaganda. We're going to give you the American point of view, the patriotic point of view, with a few belly laughs, with a little bit of agita. By the time you finish listening to WABC, you're going to say, I got all that I ever needed from the best talk radio station in the world, WABC. Now that the party is jumping with the bass kick. 
point to the point, no faking. Cooking them seeds like a pound of bacon. Burning them, getting quick and nimble. I go crazy when I hear a symbol and a hi hat with a souped up tempo. I'm on a roll, it's time to go solo. Rolling, hit my 5.0, put my rag top down so my hair can blow. The girl is on standby. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Riff and Reef. This, out. this is the Riffin' Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Riffin' Reed. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who There ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. In the aftermath of 9-11, we heard this song over and over, and rightfully so, by Lee Greenwood. It's played on a regular basis in and around the commemoration every year for 9-11. Both here at WABC, where we've guested Lee Greenwood on... And he's told us of why he created this song and how popular it's become. But it really exploded with popularity in the aftermath of the attack of 9-11 where it was acknowledged we were asleep at the wheel. First with the Bill Clinton administration and then Bush 43. About 12 different national security agencies were sitting on tapes of conversations between al-Qaeda operatives and their handlers about taking airplanes, hijacking them, and crashing them in the World Trade Center and other locations significant to America, the Pentagon, and what was intended to be the Capitol building itself. But those heroic passengers decided to take out the al-Qaeda fiends, and they crashed and burned over a field in western Pennsylvania. We all remember it like it was yesterday. But oh, how quickly Americans forget. Time and time again, we move on to more what we think are significant things. And boy, we got problems. We got problems. Let's go to Councilman Bob Holden, who in the city council chambers before a hearing on police refusing to work with ICE, not because the NYPD refuses to do so, but because the city council won't let them through uh, a law that they enacted a while back. Listen to what Bob Holden said about how, how could we possibly forget the attack of 9-11? I lived, and most of us have lived through 9-11. We know why uh, customs enforcement was created, so that we can communicate with agencies. So not to, to communicate with somebody who's, who's mat, who matches the terror watch list would be ridiculous. And then, in terms of his cross-examination of the NYPD elite unit that handles communications and technology, he was able to extract from them why they are not permitted to plug in to the ICE computer that has two, two million, two million terrorists on its watch list. 
Deputy Commissioner Gerber, you said you don't share information with ICE uh, at all. We, we are not permitted to do to, to do anything, basically, in, in the world of uh, civil um, uh, immigration enforcement. We're, we're not allowed to do that. No, but well, let's say there, there are two million people now on the terror watch list. Do you know that? There's two million people. This is the latest news that we have. Two million. So if, let's say your facial recognition comes up with somebody and it, and it, it pings on the, the fact that this, this guy is on the terror watch list. Is it, do, you have, do you just go to the FBI or you won't? So, so obviously, if you go to ICE, if, as a matter of a criminal investigation, we go to we have we have various law and partners, law enforcement partners, but whatever else we're doing uh, in the criminal realm, uh, we we are not permitted to use um, department resources, department information in connection with uh, civil immigration enforcement. How crazy is that? This is suicidal. This is suicidal. A year ago, I was telling you about the Venezuelan gangs, so-called asylum seekers, so-called migrants, illegal aliens. Remember a year ago? And obviously, we talked about all the shoplifting, both by our locals and now the illegals who are here, the migrants. And so finally, people are catching up to all that. Whoa, wow, wow. Hey, well, I've been telling you for a year, nobody wants to listen, as I've been the leader of the rebels. But now I've got to uh, jump front and center and tell you the terrorists are here and we've allowed them across both our borders that are porous. The border between the United States and Mexico to our south, the border between Canada and the United States to our north. There is no doubt they are here. Last night on the 5 o'clock roundtable show, hosted by John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby and their contributors, they got a report from the United Nations Security Council. The United Nations Security Council, no friend of America. It says that al-Qaeda has established eight new training camps and maintained several safe houses in Afghanistan. The report by the United Nations Security Council says that in monitoring the movements of al-Qaeda, that the Taliban have not honored its pledge to the U.S. when we withdrew under Joe Biden. And, in fact, they have been arming al-Qaeda, working directly with them as they did previously before the attack of 9-11. The Taliban have provided increased protection and support for al-Qaeda members, and they have taken the weapons that were left behind by our military upon the command of the commander-in-chief, Joe Biden, to leave everything behind. And they have now weaponed up. You don't think they want to come back? You don't think they want to clean the table a third time and score a direct hit again? This is what they live for. Eight training camps of al-Qaeda now, defined by the United Nations Security Council. Who's target number one for al-Qaeda? Who took out Osama bin Laden? Who has the number two guy, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, locked up in Gitmo, huh? You know where they're coming. They're coming here, and we make it so easy across the border. There are a number of Afghans with ties to the Taliban and al-Qaeda that have been caught at the southern border between Tijuana the San Ysidro Canyon on the American side, and San Diego. And that's just a few. For every one caught, how many have already gotten through? When are we going to wake up? 
When are we going to understand that ICE is the only federal agency created that stands between us and potentially another terrorist attack? And you know they're already here. I will take every program, every hour, every moment I'm given here to WABC to warn you. It is so freaking obvious. And we got a governor who wants to continue to bar ICE. A mayor who says, I can't work with ICE. Oh, there's nothing I can do. A president who can't even think and chew gum at the same time. And you don't think. And they're sitting in their caves like Osama bin Laden did in Afghanistan when he was interviewed the first time by John Miller. Remember of ABC News? Remember we first were introduced to Osama bin Laden? They sit there in their caves with their laptop computers with the goats grazing outside, plotting their revenge. And we won't let ICE do its work. Shame on us. To all those who died in 9-11, we said it would never happen again. It's going to happen. They're already here. It's time to work with ICE before it's too late. Talking about this is the Riffin Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Why is everybody always picking on me? That's him on his knees. I know that's him. Getting seven come eleven down in the boys' gym. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. He's a clown. That Charlie Brown. He's gonna get caught. Just you wait and see. Why is everybody always picking on me? Oh, this is the theme song for the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams, mayor of the illegal aliens, and crying at his weekly press conference uh, yesterday in which he only takes off-topic questions because the other six days he can't handle it. You know, he can't think about two different things at the same time. He can't multitask. So they do it all in one day, and he's got an army, a squad. Uh, of his deputy mayors and always corporation counsel to protect him from putting his own foot up his tuchus because he is still the subject of a federal investigation of the U.S. Attorney's Office, Southern District, for political corruption. So uh, yesterday, my wife, Nancy, as she always does, monitored uh, the press conference. And it was a continuation of him claiming that he was being victimized by Nicole Jelinas of the New York Post, who had the front page story yesterday, talking about this new fake, phony, fraudulent Fugazi company from Newark that is issuing these debit cards for illegal aliens arriving and checking into the Roosevelt Hotel with a thousand bucks on there. Replacing food stamps, another ripoff of the taxpayer. And again, I, can, I can't tell you any more thoroughly and conclusively that this guy has the city for sale. It's all about the money. From the first day that he took office as a state senator up in Albany, and he was sworn into office, and his very first speech was the following. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. That's all it's ever been. The man told you. You don't want to listen. Oh, he's trying. Oh, you know, he's trying. Yeah, he's trying to 
to to line his pockets and line the pockets of all of his cronies and friends of Eric Adams. So yesterday, the subject of the press conference was Nicole Gelinas's article. It was the front page of the New York Post about a company of no consequence that had a no-bid contract. And you would say to yourself, a no-bid contract? Because under this so-called emergency migrant situation, the mayor has done exactly what de Blasio did under the emergency situation of the lockdown and pandemic of COVID, which is basically we don't have to take any bids. We choose whoever we want to choose because shut up. We're doing it in your best interest. You know nothing about nothing. Just pay your taxes and mind your beeswax. Listen to him explain. His company that nobody ever heard of. It ends up getting a $50 million no-bid contract. Uh, yes, and we do, even in the no-bid contracts, you still vet. You don't just throw out and say you're going to give it to anyone. You still vet. You still vet. Slowly I turn step by step to the time when Project Veritas out of Westchester was stalking the mayor because he was going to uh, a board meeting, a stockholders meeting of Doc Go and giving them a no-bid contract for $428 million. Remember? Remember they were the only journalists out there who were on to this. What's your relationship with DACO? And the mayor wouldn't answer. Who is DACO? Some of you, Cognizante, have followed in and know they got a $428 million no-bid contract. They had never done this kind of work before. They've run the Roosevelt Hotel into the ground. They've run other migrant shelters into the ground. They, they, they've just been inept at every stage. They were never vetted out. Remember I described to you who their CEO was at that time? Anthony, I kid you not, his middle name, Al, last name Capone. Anthony Al Capone. And the mayor trotted him out, as did the administration. He did interviews. He said, oh, no, no, yeah, we were there during COVID. We were the ones that de Blasio contracted to set up those stupid tents where people would be sitting around sticking a swizzle stick up your nose, having absolutely no medical capability at all. And some of you schmucks and putzes would take it because it was free. How do you know that was your test and not somebody else's test? But some kid right out of high school was like fooling around doing their updates, you know, on Instagram. And TikTok, they're the ones putting a stick up your nose and, yeah, it's for free. I don't got to pay for it. They got the contract. They made millions. So from one crook de Blasio to de Blasio 2.0, Eric Adams, $428 million, and it's been a complete disaster, a no-bid contract. And we're going to trust Eric Adams on this one? But he says he's doing this all for you, taxpayers, because he wants to cut the amount of money that he's spending on these illegal aliens. Uh, and stated we have to find a 20 percent decrease in the dollars that we are spending on migrants and asylum seekers. We have to find ways to cut corners and bring down the cost. And while we're doing that, we also wanted to address the food waste issue, which uh, mind you, 90% of the people were consuming the food, but they said it was a 10%, and we want to find a zero uh, loss to taxpayers' dollars.
So, first of all, I don't know how you quantify that. The 90% of the migrants were eating the food, including the bagels and schmears that so many of them rejected at the Milford Plaza. Remember, that was the first hotel, the old Milford Plaza, right there on uh, 45th and 8th. That is now New York Row. Remember, they wouldn't eat the bagels and the schmear in the morning. So now he's telling us that 10% wouldn't eat it because it wasn't culturally appropriate. Well, you know what my response would be is, Mayor, you're not going to eat it, starve. You're not going to eat it, starve, because we have homeless people of our own here who need the food. You don't want to eat it? Go ahead, starve. What do you mean? You're not going to eat it? What, are you crazy? And instead, he would contract Grubhub to go out and get culturally appropriate food for these migrants. Let's just say they were from Venezuela because they've been the most problematic. Uh, Beating up cops, gangs, now drug dealing, sex trafficking on the motorbikes and the scooters that are unregistered, unregulated, with no licenses. We've we've let them run amok. But just imagine if it was them, right? Hey, amigo, I want corna rosa bichuelas. Okay, let me take your order. Beans and rice. Oh, wait. I want a big fat chuleta on top. Okay, pork chop. All right, all right. And tomorrow for breakfast, I want mangu. Okay, mangu tomorrow. And mafungo on Tuesday. Absolutely, senor. Whatever you want, the sucker taxpayers of New York City will get you. So he's claiming that 10% of the people would not eat the food given to them. Well, wait a second. They're in our country. You've guested them, Eric Adams. We didn't ask him to come here. And now because they won't eat the food, we go out of our way to give them debit cards with $1,000 worth of purchases a month to replace the old food couponings, food stamps that's filled with fraud. And boy, some of these migrants have already learned the way of how to fraudulently learn and use a snap card. I don't mind. But have no fear. You know, Eric Adams, he's always working on new ways to resolve this through technology. There are several things I'm attempting to do in the city. One, to use technology. To use technology. Hey, Justin Alec, how did that work out with Robbie Robot, right? How did that work out with Robbie Robot there? The transit police robot who was at the Times Square station. Behind police barricades, guarded always by two uniformed transit police officers, they were so terrified to leave Robbie Robot alone because they thought he would be graffitied, vandalized, and possibly pushed in front of an incoming train that he's been put on the shelf for the last two months. You remember Robbie Robot? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Danger, no. Saying so, saying on so, Eric, Eric Adams yesterday in the press conference said he's going to try to bring Robbie Rowe back. back. (laughs) He thinks it's the future of policing in the transit system. He already said that crime is up 20 percent. You know, it's up even more because cops are being told not to make arrests, not to make it look bad on the books. He claimed that we ran out of money for transit police overtime. Well, of course we did because we're spending it all on migrants and illegal aliens. But the cure for all of that is going to be a robot that hasn't worked so far. So that means more wasted money. And then he talked about this new company 
that Nancy is going to do a deep dive on tomorrow when she joins me for the Rip and Read as she does every Tuesday and Thursday, coming on the heels of a great report by Nicole Jelinas. you got to read it in the New York Post because they maligned her. They maligned her and the Manhattan Institute. They said, well, she's not with the Post. She's with the Manhattan Institute. Hey, schmuck putts at City Hall. She writes uh, op-ed pieces for the New York Post all the time. She just happens to be involved with the Manhattan Institute. That also has some of their other members writing regular opinion columns for the New York Post. We've been looking at this product of Mochify and this concept for close to three years now. Uh, when we first uh, communicated with them on the campaign trail, we looked at the product. It went into my areas of products we're going to look at, like drones. Like drones. How's that worked out? Right? He's had drones at every one of my rallies to stop the migrants' incursion into brick-and-mortar facilities, especially on Staten Island at Floyd Bennett Field at Creedmoor. Wherever I go, I'm followed by an Eric Adams NYPD paid-for drone that really we the sucker taxpayers pay for. Oh, yeah, drones. That's the answer to our problems. Do you think, uh, Justin Ellick, it could be that when he was young, because he was born impoverished and his mother had many children she had to raise, that he never was able to go to Toys R Us and get toys? And now these are his toys. A robot that doesn't work, drones that have absolutely no impact on helping our quality of life. Maybe we should just let him go to the Toys R Us on Flatbush Avenue, uh, right south uh, in Brooklyn of uh, Floyd Bennett Field, which is a disaster as it's been turned into uh, tent housing and a floodplain for mostly women and children and some males. And it's been problematic. It's caused all kinds of problems in the neighborhood in Brooklyn and across the Gil Hodges Bridge in the Irish Riviera. Maybe we'll let him go on a shopping spree to get it out of his system. And then what Eric Adams said yesterday, what Nancy had discovered, at a conference he hosted at Gracie Mansion for friends of Eric Adams as he was encouraging them to put their beak in the trough and to get a side hustle, man, because there's a lot of money out there for uh, migrants, a lot of money. Get yourself a side hustle. That's right, a, a big side hustle. But let me get my side hustle on also and look at... What is needed in this crisis? Because you're smart enough to understand how to run a business. This may be an opportunity to say if you have a major contract from the city, you could actually expand your business. Because other cats are doing it, folks. Other cats are doing it, folks. Ripping us off. It's city for sale. It reminds me of the book years ago by Jack Newfield and Wayne Barrett. Man, they dug deep into the Katya administration, and the city was for sale, especially in the third term. And Rudy was prosecuting people in the Katya administration morning, noon, and night, starting with the crook of all crooks, Stanley Friedman up in the Bronx, Donald Mattis. We can go on and on and on. City for sale. And remember, Eric Adams left everybody at that conference knowing there's money to be made from the sucker taxpayers. No distractions. Stay focused and grind. 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 Because they would distract us. Yes, sir. Yeah. Don't worry. There's a U.S. attorney's investigation into our political corruption. Don't worry. Don't be distracted. Stay focused. 
Grind out that money because, remember, Eric Adams lives by one code, one creed that he said from day one when he was sworn into office in the state Senate up in Crooked Albany. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. Hey, students out there, you elected him mayor, right? Oh, he was the cop, Curtis. And now you must suffer. And now, unfortunately, our city suffers because some of you just wouldn't listen to what he was telling you all along. It's all about the money. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. Roger Stone in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios. It's a 77 WABC debate. It's the grapple in the Big Apple. Disappointing. Uh, last week, again, I was passed over for left versus right. Roger Stone, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, two Saturdays in a row. Before that, John Katsimatidis, four in a row with Anthony. Tell me uh, it ain't so, then I'm on the bench this coming Saturday. Well, I don't know, but let's. you should take this as the ultimate compliment. You train me. I cut my teeth. You're like Customato. Now, admittedly, they had been throwing me some tomato cans early on, but now they're really giving me some tough competition. Me and Roger Stone, we both have interesting stories. I think I did better this week. The We're getting great reaction to it. But I think what I'm going to do is show up at the next debate wearing the leader of the rebel sweatshirt. Just confuse him completely. Uh, but you're – listen, I, I don't know. I don't find out to the last minute who I'm debating each Sunday at 4 – I'm sorry, each Saturday at 4 o'clock. I'm going to probably find out the last possible moment they want to keep me on on my toes. But it could be you. We don't know. Nah, nah. Only if they run out of options. I've looked at the analytics. This this business of ours, as you know, Anthony, you've learned it. It's all about ratings. When John Katsimatidis was on with you four Saturdays in a row, the ratings skyrocketed, you and John. And they're even bigger with Roger Stone these last two Saturdays, left versus right. So if I jump back in, forget it. They're going to dive, and it's going to kill my reputation as being the number two ratings leader behind Sid with all the other shows that I do. Well, I mean, the thing that really is amazing, for you to have lost an hour, it takes the jaws of life to get you out of the studio, and somehow they slipped this out. Now, they haven't changed your name on the masthead of the show. It's still Left vs. Light with <laughs> Anthony Weiner and Curtis Sliwa. Unfortunately, that's the way you're going to know. If they put, they remove your name and put three question marks like the Joker, yeah. then we know that yeah. your days are numbered. Now, meantime, uh, your beef from the left uh, that our audience is probably going to be beating their uh, uh, their car up as they're driving along, beating up the uh, the hood of their car, just hearing what you have to say. Well, I got to tell you, I am waiting for all the apologies from all the hosts around here about this bribe that Joe Biden apparently got. The source of that information turned out to be a guy who's now under arrest for being a tool of republic of, Re- of Republican. That's a Freudian slip of Russian disinformation. All these people now they have to stop saying is Rudy Giuliani going to stop saying the, the the Biden bribe because now we know it didn't happen. Just like all of the other accusations against so Hunter Biden and Joe out, Biden. Flesh it out for our audience. So this guy, I think I saw a video of him. He was all swathered up like he looked like he was a mummy. Uh, what? He's- so he's he's this this uh, source for the FBI way back when he came into them and says, listen, Joe Biden got a a, a bribe through Hunter Biden from Burisma. 
Everyone was like, I don't know. Within the FBI, they didn't believe it. But all these Republicans in Congress said, show us the report, show us the report, show us the report. They made it public. They ran it all over Fox News. All the hosts around here believed it. And now that guy, it turns out, wasn't even in uh, Ukraine at the time. He he now says in his interview that he was being uh, fed this stuff by Russian intelligence operatives. And this once again shows how the Hunter Biden laptop story will not die, but it also won't turn into anything. Well, real. you know, our listeners want to hear about Babalushki, Babalushki, Babalushki. <laughs> uh, but the other thing you mentioned, Hunter Biden, he has slammed the special prosecutor for confusing sawdust with cocaine. Yeah, well, that's, I don't know if that I know. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've had, I got plenty of addiction problems of my own. I don't think that's something I would ever do. Let's see who winds up being the true. I'm surprised. How come everyone's up? How come I don't hear Greg Kelly talking about the cocaine in the White House anymore? They got to bring that one back. So apparently Hunter Biden is saying you thought it was cocaine going up my nose, but it was really sawdust. <laughs> and remember, we want to find more about Babalooski, 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 Bababooey, Babalooski. Well, whoever I'm debating this Saturday at 4 o'clock, I'll bring it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I Might faded. be you, Curtis. Might I be you, Curtis. Yeah, if only no one else is available, right? <laughs>